0: It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, let's wrap things up with Football Asia in the company of Paul Williams from the Asian Game podcast. Evening, Paolo.
1: Simon, Alex, how are you going, guys? Very good. good mate.
0: Uh, so the AFC Under-20 Asian Cup went the way of Australia's conquerors, Uzbekistan. Uh, should we be surprised by this, given they've been starting to win tournaments at junior level on a, on a reasonably regular basis over the last few years? And... Uh, they've put a lot of investment into their development as well, uh, with help from the President.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, we probably shouldn't be surprised, and the fact that they hosted it naturally gave them an advantage anyway. But I think we spoke about this on the show a week or two ago. And it's not just the fact that they've invested in youth development, which is obviously important. it's they've invested wisely with how they've gone about it as well. So they've now it's just they won the AFC under 23s four or five years ago. They've now won the under 20s as well. They've got great hopes in their uh, current Olympic team to qualify for Paris 2024. And, and they've put a lot of stock in them. As I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, that, that, club side they've effectively created from their, their National Olympic team, Olympic FC, that are competing week out and we, uh, week in, week out in, in the top division and, and doing rather well as well. So not only does that stand them in good stead in underage tournaments, it gives them a great platform now for the senior national team to have this sort of production line of talent coming through, obviously, with an eye on the Asian Cup in less than 12 months, but also an eye on 2026 as well. We know they've been the bridesmaid in Asia so many times before, been so close to the World Cup, but never been able to get there. Now they've got this production line of talent coming through. That really holds them in good stead as they build towards this next qualification cycle. And a lot of those will be hitting their peak around 2026 as well. So it suggests that there's, you know, good things on the horizon for Uzbek football.
0: Uh, And I mentioned that the president and the government have, have lent a helping hand. As I understand it, the foreigners who come in to coach in Uzbekistan and try and help out and bring their Knowledge and experience—they're exempt from paying income tax at all.
1: Well, that'd be very nice. I need to maybe get my coaching badges <laughs> and jet, jet, jet off to Uzbekistan or something. So uh, we we know that you know countries all around Asia—they give whatever help they can to you know their, their entire football systems to to get them up to that level. So it wouldn't surprise me if they are you know doing little things like that to help entice people to come in and, um, and provide their expertise and, and take them to that mm. next level.
0: Whereas we slog them with the top-rate right attacks, Broski. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, Paul, looking forward to the international weekend coming up. Uh, there's some interesting fixtures. Um, you know, a lot of the Asian nations taking on South American opposition. Um, we've got Iran mm-hmm. as well taking on the Football Union of Russia, they're calling them. Uh, mate, which ones are you looking <laughs> forward to seeing?
1: Uh, the uh, the football union of Russia will be very interesting to see because they're also playing Iraq as well in a game in St. Petersburg so the story of Russia and the AFC it just it just won't go away and you know, they remain a pariah really in international football but they found a nice little home for themselves in in parts of Asia as well so that's Really interesting. Um, Iraq were trying to host Iran in Baghdad, actually, so that would have been really interesting. Um, but Iran uh, didn't want to actually travel to, um, to Baghdad, so that one, uh, that never happened. I'll be really interested to see how Japan and Korea get on and, of course, our own Socceroos um, at the end of the week against Ecuador as well. There's some, you know, really exciting young talents in this Socceroos squad as well. So there's a lot to look forward to over the next week.
0: Uh, we'll come on to Japan and South Korea, but uh, I do want to ask you about the two-game series involving uh, the New Zealand All-Whites who are uh, up against China. Now, China haven't played an international, uh, as far as I can see, since June of last year. And, of course, the game, and we talked about this before on Football Asia, on the global game, it's it's become rather embroiled in politics. Um, what's happened to the ex-coach Lee Tier? Now, he's no longer in charge of the national team. He's been replaced... Uh, by a Serbian, um, and Mm -hmm. I know he was detained by the authorities. Where is he at and where is the game in China at? Any ideas?
1: Uh, As for Li yeah, I'm not quite sure where he's at. He was detained, um, along with um, a raft of senior management, the President, the General Secretary, and the the, the Deputy General Secretary as well were all detained um, on sort of vague fraud, corruption, charges they weren't very specific with with what it was as you would expect coming from china but they got all caught up in this which is you know basically the entire senior leadership of of chinese football which takes them pretty much back to to square one almost bef- where they were before all of this investment came in as if all of the investment that we saw over sort of the, the previous decade had never happened that's basically where chinese football has gone back to which is a great shame because it looked like they were on an upward trajectory and we know how important they are to the trajectory of Asian football as well, if they can become a a significant player. So yeah, the the new coach you mentioned, Alexander Yankovic, he's certainly got his work cut out, even with the expanded World Cup to to 48 nations and eight Asian nations getting involved there as well. It's hard to mount a case for China being one of those, given the the perilous state of their football. Of course, they naturalised a lot of players last time around to try and get them Um, into uh, World Cup calculations. And a lot of those have now left the country. Um, Alkerson has come back, so perhaps we'll see him involved in the the fold again. But, um, yeah, it's a a pretty sad and sorry state in China at the moment.
0: And looking at Japan, Simon mentioned them earlier, they're taking on Uruguay. Um, a Changing of the guard, it it seems, for the Samurai Blue, they've left out a few big-name regulars, uh, Nagatomo, Yoshida, Shibasaki. Haraguchi are not a part of this squad. He's, He's been practicing those names, well, by the way, pal. after you corrected me last week <laughs> in uh, in my mate Geordie Bals. Geordie <laughs> Boyce, you called him. <laughs>
1: That's what we
0: called him. I had to make sure I got him right this week. Anyway, uh, yeah, changing of the guard there in the uh, the Samurai Blue?
1: It is, and I think it's kind of an inevitable changing of the guard that the hap- had to happen. When you look at the age of some of those players that, have gone out, I think it was inevitable that they probably weren't going to make another World Cup cycle. So that sort of fresh generation coming through had to start now. And when you look at some of the age of the, the players that he's called up, a lot of them are of that that younger profile as well. One that really stands out is Kato Nakamura, who plays in Austria and was perhaps the biggest surprise selection, especially with some like Kyogo Furuhashi continually being overlooked as well. But Moriashi's spoken about, and we, we saw this, Arnie did this well in the last qualifying cycle as well. He wants to create a bigger pool of players and a greater depth within the squad. So he's going to be calling up more players to come in, get experience in the national team so that if he needs to call upon them in the future, they've got that experience. So perhaps we should expect to see this. We've almost become accustomed to Japan's squad being so settled and so stable over the last couple of years. So perhaps while they sort of prepare for the next World Cup cycle, we will see this chopping and changing and new faces coming in and going out as they try and um, unearth a a few um, potential bolters for the future as well. One that I am am super excited to see a name to look out for, uh, Kashif Bagnagande, who's a left back for FC Tokyo. I'd like to see Broski try and pronounce that one next (laughs) week. Um, A left back for FC Tokyo. So he's getting great training alongside Nagatomo there every single week, who's one of their best left backs, of course. And he's a little bit like um, Nagatomo as well. He's short in stature, full of energy, quick pace, great cross. So um, he's only 21 years old and he's part of a growing number of Japanese players that are of mixed race as well. So he's got a Ghanaian father and a Japanese mother as well. And I watched him for FC Tokyo a couple of times and I really like the look of him. So there's one to keep an eye on. Um, interesting. You mentioned
0: Arnie as part of that little chat there. Um, Hajime Moriyasu? has sort of done a bit of a Graham Arnold, hasn't he? I mean, he wasn't very popular midway through the qualifying section. A lot of Mm. the Japanese supporters wanted to get rid of him, but they had a good World Cup. Is he now back in favour, and is he going to change his approach? I mean, he's known as being a rather pragmatic uh, coach. Will that change, do you think?
1: Mm. I think the fans want it to change. And as you said, it very much mirrors Arnie's situation here in – Australia as well. Of course, when he got reappointed, there were still some critics of that who still thought he should have been moved on and a fresh face come in. But given the World Cup that they had, it's hard to argue that you'd get rid of a a coach who had been so successful in winning games against Spain and Germany as well and probably should have uh, beaten Croatia in the the round of 16 too. So um, he, he certainly made a case for himself. I think he needs to really change and especially it, 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 playing that way against Spain and Germany is is fine if that's what you want to do. That's not going to cut it when you're coming up against the likes of you know Malaysia and Tajikistan and India or whoever it is that they might face are expected to be on the front foot and, and play powerfully aggressive football that we know Japan can play. So I think that's what fans want to see this time around.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, final one, Paolo, uh, we mentioned South Korea, they're, they're taking on Colombia. This, of course, is uh, Jürgen Klinsmann's first game in charge, a rather controversial appointment. He's largely stuck with the tried and trusted uh, with only two changes to the World Cup squad. And intriguingly, I, I had a look at the squad, I was like, oh, well, that's interesting, because one of the new faces is Lee Ki G, who we remember from the A-League, who played with the Newcastle Jets. <laughs>
1: Yeah and he's really done well for himself since he's gone back to uh, to Korea. He had a stint with Ulsan, but has really found a home for himself at at Suwon Blue Wings and while that club's struggled in recent years he's been one of their better performers so um it's great to see him get rewarded no surprise that Clinsman stuck with the, the tried and tested. We, we spoke a couple of weeks ago that he's probably on a little bit of a short lease with uh, the Korean fans. So he won't want to come in and rock the boat too much. He'll want to get off to a really smooth, steady start. So it makes sense to, you, you pretty much call up the world cup squad. Um, let them get first crack at it. They know um, they know each other. They know um, essentially how, to, how they want to uh, how they want to play, and we saw them do that at the World Cup as well. So um, he's not going to rock the boat too much early. Um, and while they've got you know players like Kim Min Jae and Son Heung Min in the side, um, they've got a great core of players to, to build a team around.
0: Yep, sure have. I'm sure Jurgen is learning the names just like Broski at the moment. <laughs> hey Paulo, we got we've got to leave it there. Um, thanks so much. We'll speak to you next week.
1: See you, mate. Cheers, guys.